It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it through the weekend. Welcome to a Monday. Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio. It is Monday, March 6th. Championship week. All the conference titles will be decided by Sunday afternoon. And then Selection Sunday, only six days away. Carolina in trouble. Number one team in the land in the preseason. Not going to make it in without, I think, a ACC tournament championship. That's why I went over to the betting parlor and put 20 on Carolina to win the ACC. Why not? It's been a crazy year. Four conference regular season champions have already been knocked out of their conference tournaments. And it's only Monday. It's only Monday. Fairly Dickinson is in the field. They finished second in their league, the Northeast Conference, and they did not win their conference tournament. Can you say Bellarmine Knights? This is not the first time this has happened. Merrimack is not eligible due to the four-year, I don't know what to call it, probationary period. In the switch from Division Two to Division One, same thing that happened to Bellarmine last year. So here we are again, and we will probably see the same outcry from the Merrimack staff and athletic director as we saw from Bellarmine, and they're both right. This probationary period, this transition rule is ridiculous, but here we are. Championship week, I'm not going to bring it down. I love it. Two games tonight on the docket to decide who's in. Sunbelt, South Alabama, the eighth seed against Louisiana, who's the second seed. Seven o'clock on ESPN2 and Southern Conference, Furman and Chattanooga, seven o'clock on ESPN. Two bids will be decided tonight. Five teams are already in. FDU, let's do the nickname game. I'm going to have fun with this with Scooter tomorrow. I hope he's not listening. The nickname game. The Fairleigh Dickinson Knights are in the field out of the NEC. Southeast Missouri State Red Hawks out of the OVC are in. Their second appearance, first since the year 2000. North Carolina Asheville, the Bulldogs. Out of the Big South, 27-7, and seven, their fifth tournament appearance. Drake, also the Bulldogs, out of the Missouri Valley. They were not the number one seed. Sixth tournament appearance. They were in two years ago. And finally, Kennesaw State, out of the Atlantic Sun, the Owls are uh, making their first ever Big dance appearance. They are fairly new to Division One, kind of like Bellarmine. Twenty-six and eight on the season. I saw Bellarmine lose to Kennesaw State in overtime at Freedom Hall earlier this year, and I said this at the time: it was men against boys. At least it looked that way. But the boys were able to take the men to overtime that day. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open: five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty three eight four fourteen fifty. You like to join in on the conversation? We will talk. 
anything about college basketball that you want because it is March. And this next four weeks, to me, is glorious. M&M Cartage Hotline, 384-1450. Thorns text line open as well. You can hit me up through the text machine at 502-414-1450. Don't forget, you can still get your free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit or steak and egg burrito or bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, along with any fountain drink, fizz freeze, tea, or 20-ounce bottled soda. When you become a new Refreshing Awards member, simply download the Thornton's app, register for Refreshing Awards, earn your free breakfast on our friends at Thornton's, and hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502 414 1450. Six pack two and four this weekend. I went against the local teams and it bit me. I went against Kentucky. Right? They got no point guard. Wallace isn't going to play. Severe Wheeler's not going to play. They're they're hurt. Frederick can barely walk, but he played a little bit. Sheepway fouls out with, I don't know, before the final media timeout. No way they can beat Arkansas in Arkansas. I was, what's the word I'm looking for here? Gary, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, wrong. <laughs> I went against Louisville. Louisville played Virginia to the buzzer in the Yum Center. I was there. I saw it. Cards had a, cha- a legitimate shot to beat Virginia, who was top 10 in the country at the time. And they're getting 19 this time? Well, there's no way Virginia doesn't crush them. Virginia's up 16 at halftime. Wins by 15. Once again, I was wrong. And Michigan, Indiana, give me the Hoosiers. I said on this radio program on Friday, Indiana destroys Michigan. Kills them. They're up 14, 10 minutes into the game. Feeling good. All of a sudden, they're down 11 in the second half. I'm going, uh, uh, what? What, uh, what? What happened? To Indiana's credit, they come from behind. They get the game to overtime. Uh-oh, I'm back in it. I'm only given four. I'm back in it. Uh, lo and behold, Indiana does win. They win back two, which means I was wrong. Senior race Thompson, thank you. 0 for 4 at the free throw line in the last... I don't know, 20 seconds of overtime? 0 for 4. A big donut hole. Give me two out of four and I get a tie, right? And the senior who's played in a lot of games, been in a lot of pressure situations, couldn't even make one out of four. Hoosiers lucky to hold on there. It was a gut check, and they did show grit in coming back from a deficit against a team that needed the win more than Indiana did. I think Michigan is out now as of today. Their last three games, all overtime games, and they lost the last two to Illinois and Indiana. That is, uh, that's not, you know, that's not how you win. That's not how you get in a tournament, lose overtime games. The good news is I'm not going to be bumped this weekend. Indiana gets the three seed, which means Friday they'll play at approximately 8 o'clock, maybe 8.30. They'll get the survivor of Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Minnesota and Nebraska will play Wednesday. 
Winner of that game gets Maryland on Thursday, and then IU will begin their hopefully three-game three-game winning streak through the Big Ten tournament against probably Maryland, but we'll see. Nebraska, by the way, won at Iowa. I don't know what the hell's going on. I have no idea what's going on. Iowa gets that comeback against Michigan State. They beat Indiana and Bloomington convincingly, and then they lose at home to Nebraska. <sighs> Did they get hit in the head by a tumbleweed? How do you lose to Nebraska? Indiana had a lot of things go right for them yesterday. The one thing that didn't go right was Northwestern winning at Rutgers because that made Northwestern the two seed over Indiana. They have the same record, but they beat Indiana twice. But Maryland lost. Um, There were a lot of teams that lost yesterday. Illinois lost to Purdue. Indiana was actually pulling for Purdue yesterday, believe it or not. But three, three or three games I know that helped the Hoosiers hang on to that three seed. Now they were going to be a four seed at worst if they won yesterday. First of all, it looked like they weren't going to win, and then second of all, all of a sudden you're going to have to play on Thursday. Not good. The latest bracketology is out, and I'll get to that. Uh, Indiana as a four seed, I don't like it. Make me a three or make me a six. I say it all the time. All the time. I would rather be the six playing an 11 in the first round and a three in the second round. If I'm a four or a five, I'm playing an eight or a nine. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm playing a, let me get this right, Gary. I'm playing a 13 or a 12. Then I'm playing the one or the eight. I mean, I'm playing the one seed in the second round. In the third round, excuse me, as the four. Because I got to play the five. And Joe Lenardi's got Miami as Indiana's five. And they're no longer in Louisville. Oh, Lenardi, you kill me. Kill me. Kentucky was impressive, by the way, in that win over. That's the best game they played all year. Their point guard was out. Their backup point guard was out. Their... Shooting guard, and I use I used air quotes because he hasn't shot it particularly well, may have a broken rib, but he played. Their All-American National Player of the Year from last year fouled out with four and a half minutes to go. Their star freshman took 12 shots, missed 11 of them, including one of four at the free throw line. He had one point, he didn't make a field goal. 0 for 5, 0 for 3 from from Long. So, technically, he was 1 for 9 overall. And they won the game on the road against a team that had more to play for. Now, you can argue Kentucky had a little more to play for. If they win that game, which they did, they lock up the three seed in the SEC tournament, and they don't have to play on Thursday. And that's what they did. Unbelievable performance from Antonio Reeves. He had a career-high 37 for the Cats. And I didn't understand the Arkansas defense, and I texted Tony Burke at the end of this game. Sheway had fouled out. Wallace and Wheeler, of course, couldn't play. Collins had fouled out for Kentucky. So you had guys in there that couldn't score in an empty gym. Lance Ware, now he did have four points. 
He had a couple of really ugly turnovers, though. Lance Ware was in. Collins was in at one point. There were guys in there that weren't going to score. They were not offensive threats, especially from the outside. I have no idea, none whatsoever, why John Calipari or somebody on that staff didn't say, here's what we're going to do. Or Arkansas, I should say, on their staff, didn't say, we're going to put two guys on Antonio Reeves, who's killing us, by the way, and we're going to have one guy and tell him, you guard Ware and Collins. Just whoever comes inside, whichever one of them comes inside, you guard them. If the other one stays outside, I don't care if anybody guards him. Couldn't care less. They never did that. They did send double teams toward Antonio Reeves, but it was too late in the possession. And Reeves saw it coming, and Kentucky saw it coming. And he somehow still got open shots. Reeves was 12 of 17 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, and hit all 11 of his free throws. He was great. He wasn't good. He was great. Oh, the other guy in there was Thiero, a dude Thiero. Now, Thiero had seven points, five rebounds, a dunk that shouldn't have counted because he kind of guided it in there twice. Should have been offensive goaltending. Uh, two rebounds, two turnovers. He's not a point guard. I've elaborated on that before. They need him to try to be the point guard sometimes, but he's just not. He is athletic as. He can be. He makes athletic plays. But, man, he scares the the bejesus out of me. Jacob Toppin, 21 points again, 6 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from long range. Uh, He's found his shot, and when he's taking 12 to 15 footers, he's taking them with confidence, and they're going in. And he was huge in the last four minutes of that game. With no other offensive threat than Reeves, he was the other offensive threat. He was it. It wasn't Thiero. It wasn't Collins till he found out. It wasn't Ware. Livingston was having a tough day. Shibway had fouled out. Jacob Toppin, when he plays like that, they're a different team. They're a contender, as Marlon Brando would say. Could have been somebody. Shibway had 12 and 13 before he fouled out. Um, I thought he should have got kicked out in the first half for throwing that elbow. It did make contact. It came after the play. It wasn't inadvertent. I mean, he knew what he was doing. Gene Steratore, who's great at uh, at uh, being the voice of referees during these CBS broadcasts, basically said the same thing. He's, he should she should go. He should go. And if he does, look, they don't win that game. I don't, Antonio Reeves would have had to score 50 for them to have a chance to win that game. But he should have got kicked out. And he's done that a lot more in the second half of the year. Now, I understand people are coming at you. They're being physical with you. They're going to push you to and hope that you push back. And they're going to they're going to make it hard on you. You're the national defending national player of the year. 
You should expect this every game, especially when you go to places like Tennessee with Plovzich, Arkansas, where Eric Musselman's going to throw people at you. Auburn, Bruce Pearl's going to do the same thing. Alabama, you think they're not going to try to get under his skin? That's what they're doing. He has to understand that. He cannot react. Did he get pushed on the play and they called the foul on the Arkansas player? Yes, but you can't follow it up by throwing an elbow near his uh, above his neck area. Can't do it. Cats were really lucky that he was allowed to stay in that game. Really lucky. Kentucky now will play at 8.30-ish on Friday night. SEC tournament in Nashville. Vanderbilt, LSU, Georgia survivor. Vandy's the sixth seed. Kentucky's the three seed. LSU and Georgia. The 14 fans that attend that game will have something special to tell their kids about. That is Wednesday night, late game. And then the winner gets Vandy, and the winner of that, probably Vandy, gets Kentucky. So the Cats will have a chance for a little revenge against Vanderbilt. And here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of it. Tennessee on the other side. I know you beat them twice, but it's still Tennessee. Alabama on the other side. Thank you. You don't have to deal with either one of those teams. You got Texas A&M. You got Texas A&M. That's beautiful. Uh, And actually, you're going to get probably the Auburn A&M winner. I'm good with it. Missouri on the other side. I want Missouri on the other side. Anybody remember that game in January? Missouri was on their game when they trounced Kentucky. So, good draw here. If you're a Kentucky fan, you got to love it. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. We'll break down Louisville's 27th loss of the year. More on the Indiana game. NBA news as well. Listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline open 502 384 1450. to join in on the conversation. Thornton's text line open as well 502 414 Get your text into the show at that number 414 Don't forget Indiana High School sectional basketball tonight. New Albany takes on Jennings County. In Seymour, Indiana, I will be on the air with the call tonight, filling in for Matt, 7 o'clock tip, 6.45 pregame tonight. New Albany and Jennings County sectional championship game uh, to get to the uh, final 16, to get to the regional uh, next week. So Bulldogs under head coach Jim Shannon in his 25th season at the helm and final season at the helm. Man, I don't want to be the guy that calls his last game. Jennings County's 22-2. and two. They're good. Uh, New Albany 11 and 13. So we'll see what happens in that one. Uh, Gary and I were talking in the break. Louisville baseball had a great weekend. They went down to Houston, a little uh, jamboree tournament. They beat uh, Texas A&M on Friday, 14 to 5. They beat 
TCU on Saturday, three to two, and they beat Michigan on Sunday, ten nothing in seven innings. They're ten and one. They've got six more wins than the basketball cards. Yikes! <laughs> Does that mean spirited? I don't even know anymore. They'll uh, be in action again tomorrow. The base baseball cards and the basketball cards will be in action again tomorrow. Uh, Dan McDonald's team will play Moorhead State tomorrow. I think that game is at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock. Thank you, Gary. 3 o'clock at uh, Jim Patterson Stadium. Get out, man. This is a, this And a, you can listen to it on, on our sister station, 970 WGTK. That's called free promotion right there. That's a good team. They're top top 10 right now, top 5 in the country maybe. Uh, they get more. They got Dayton coming into town this weekend uh, at Patterson as well. Uh, Louisville basketball will play in the opening round. You don't want to ever play in the opening round. I, I made the joke about LSU and Georgia in the SEC tournament on uh, Wednesday night, all 14 fans in attendance. You get your own beer vendor. Everybody gets their own beer vendor for that game. Uh, yeah, can I get another cold one? And maybe uh, can you go get me some popcorn? And I don't know, check out what movies are on Netflix tonight for me. You're not doing anything. I, I think you can procure a ticket to that one. Louisville, same boat tomorrow. Same boat tomorrow. Because they got Boston College, 4.30, right in the middle of what would normally be a good afternoon for you. They ruined that as well, ACC Network. If they win that, they get North Carolina. North Carolina, I went over and bet today. They were 7.5 uh, to 1, plus 750 to win the ACC tournament. Louisville, by the way, tied with Notre Dame, 500 to 1 to win the ACC tournament. Is that worth five bucks? No, it's not. It's just not. Oh, I'm a long shot better. I'd go for that one. Notre Dame, bet them both. Cost you 10 bucks. That's right. Notre Dame and Louisville, 500 to 1. Why not? Uh, but Carolina's uh, – and look, those aren't good odds, 7.5 to 1. But my thought process is anybody can win the ACC tournament within reason, of course. Uh, there are probably seven teams, maybe eight. Remember, Virginia Tech won it last year. You thought they had no chance to win it. They won the ACC tournament. Nobody thinks Carolina can win this thing. They lost to Duke Saturday on their home court in a game they needed as a bubble team. And they get beat by their arch rival on the home court. Uh, Hubert Davis, Davis is falling out of favor quickly in Chapel Hill. But you know what? Here you go. You win Wednesday, then you win Thursday, then you win Friday, then you're in the championship game on Saturday. It, it would not be the first time it's happened. It would, it would be the first time since last year that it's happened with Virginia Tech. So don't tell me they can't win it. Until they get knocked out, they can win the ACC tournament. But if they don't win it, North Carolina might be the first. I'm, I'm, this is probably not true because I don't do research, but they'll probably be the first team in preseason number one in the country in the Associated Press poll to not make it to the tournament. They had four starters back on a team that went to the national championship game. I, did I say national championship? I meant national championship appearance. They had four starters back. And they brought in Pete Nance to replace Brady Manick. So they probably, they basically had five starters back. 
Not good. Funny, but not good. So uh, Louisville will play at 4.30 tomorrow against Boston College, who they lost to twice, I believe. Yeah, close game at the Yum Center. Went down to the wire, and then Boston College kind of put it on them uh, in Chestnut Hill. All right, Indiana 75, Michigan 73 in overtime. That keeps IU a double bye. They finish as the three seed in the upcoming Big Ten tournament. Trace Jackson Davis and Hunter Dickinson. It was a fun game to watch those two guys go at it. Uh, TJD, 27 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Hunter Dickinson had 24 and 14. The game goes to overtime, which apparently all Michigan games do now. It's the law. Race Thompson, 16 points, 10 rebounds. So he had a really good game, those last four free throw misses notwithstanding. I'm holding those against him because it cost me money. But those last four notwithstanding, he played great uh, on senior day. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino added 13 points for the Hoosiers. They overcame that double-digit deficit in the second half. And I will say this again. A game like that can go a long way in the future, in the, in the tournament, in the big dance. Because they they know how to fight back. They have grit. They do. They have grit. And they they fought hard. They fought out of a hole. Trey Galloway struggled because he was in foul trouble the whole game. Miller Cop couldn't get anything close to the rim early in that game. He was shooting air balls on open threes. He had a big jumper from the corner in overtime. Huge. Huge. But he struggled for most of the day. And they kept fighting, and they kept fighting. And Trace Jackson Davis was the All-American that he is. Bates was some great defense on Bufkin in the last three minutes of that game, three to five minutes of that game. After Galloway fouled out, and they brought Tamar Bates in, and he's known for his shooting, and he hit a couple of big jumpers. But the truth of the matter is, his defense on Bufkin, who was going nuts on Indiana, was probably the difference in allowing that game to get to overtime. IU shot 45%, held Michigan to 41. I said this on the show Friday. Mike Davis, Mike Davis, wow. Mike Woodson, jeez, can we uh, cut that one out of the podcast, Gary? Ooh, that was a a big boner there. Mike Woodson is not going to let his team play defense the way they did against Iowa. He's just not. And for the first, for the last half of the first half and the first half of the second half, if that makes any any sense at all, they did kind of play bad defense. But they locked Michigan down in the last five minutes of regulation and in the overtime. Indiana 5 of 15 from 3. Michigan was 9 of 26. That's uh, basically even. They both right around 33% there. Indiana did miss seven free throws again. They were 14 to 21. In fact, they were shooting them great until Race Thompson got four late in the overtime. Luckily, Indiana didn't need them. Michigan only hit 12 of 19 free throws. Uh, Wolverines out rebounded the Hoosiers by nine. Michigan had four more turnovers than Indiana. Now, eight o'clock ish on the Big Ten Network Friday night. Probably Maryland, but it could be Minnesota or Nebraska. Uh, Maryland in the one meeting this year, one uh, in College Park against uh, Indiana. They they were undefeated at home. 
All right, Maryland, when you look at their numbers, they're undefeated at home, they're not very good on the road, and they're not very good at neutral sites. This is a neutral site game in Chicago. Indiana is going to have the crowd Friday night. Now, this is assuming it's Maryland, but I think if you're Hoosier, if you're the Hoosiers, you'll take Minnesota or Nebraska if that's what has to happen here. But if it's Maryland, I feel really good about Indiana on Friday night. Really good. All right, Louisville loses to Virginia 75 to 60. Four and 27. Yes, four and 27. Trailed 36-20 at halftime. I was flipping back and forth. They played at the same time as Kentucky and uh, Arkansas did. So I didn't take I didn't DVR anything. I got lazy this week. I'm not gonna lie about it. Just wanted to lounge around and watch some hoops. Mike James 24, LL is 14. Those were the only two cards in double figures. Little actually outscored Virginia by one in the second half. Virginia shot 58%. And I've said this all season. The number one problem with this Louisville team, you can talk about energy, you can talk about effort. Yes, those are problems at times. They don't defend. That's the number one issue. The other team gets whatever shot they want whenever they want it. That's the bottom line. 58% for Virginia. They only hit six of 18 threes. They still shot 58%. Louisville actually out-rebounded the uh, Cavaliers, 25-24. Ten turnovers for the Cards, and again, that number, seven for Virginia. You just They don't turn the other team over, and they don't play good half-court defense. And it's cost them in 27 out of 31 games this year. Now you get Boston College tomorrow, 4.30, ACC Network. Usually I take Tuesday off. Tuesday and Wednesday, I take off for these conference tournaments because they're the bottom feeders of the league are playing. Yeah, got to pay attention tomorrow. I'd like to see the Cards win this game. I would. I'd like to see it. Just, just a feel-good thing. Beat Boston College, then you get Carolina. Why not? Play hard. That's all you're looking for. All right, Joe Lenardi Bracketology, and I know none of this is set in stone, and there are a lot of people that are going to go, oh, this other site is uh, more more accurate than Joe Lenardi and ESPN, but we always talk about Lenardi because he's on ESPN. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what I do too. Currently, Indiana is the number four seed, according to Lenardi, in the Midwest region, which is in Kansas City, the uh, regionals in Kansas City. The five seed there would be the Miami Hurricanes. Now, I know the ACC has been terrible, but that would scare me a little bit if I'm Indiana. Miami has really good guard play, which always seems to translate to the NCAA tournament. And then Kansas is the one seed. So in Kansas City, by the way, uh, I don't like it. Here's the thing. Kansas is now, according to Lenardi, primed to be the overall number one seed. They overtook Alabama. Even though they lost at Texas, it is not as bad of a loss as Alabama's loss at Texas A&M. Right? I mean, Kansas lost to the ninth-ranked team in the country on the road. Alabama lost to the 24th-ranked team in the country on the road. 
So Kansas, by virtue of their 15-6 and six record against quad one opponents, and if you know the net rankings, you know what I'm talking about, Kansas gets the nod here as the number one overall seed. And because they do, they get to choose where they play the regional. And they're going to choose the Midwest because it's in Kansas City. Back when Kansas was the three, Houston was the two, Houston would have chosen Kansas City. But with Kansas being the one, now Kansas will choose Kansas City. Alabama at two will choose the South Regional, which is in Louisville. Then it'll be up to Houston, who I would guess would pick Las Vegas as their regional destination. And finally, the four seed. To me, it's UCLA right now. Purdue, again, was unimpressive at home yesterday. Uh, they struggled last 10 games of the season. It's either Purdue or UCLA. I think these conference tournaments will sort of figure out which one of those two gets the four seed. But regardless, whoever it is, is going to end up in New York, the Barclays Center for the regional. So Kansas, going to Kansas City, well, that's, that's home atmosphere there if they can, if they can pull that off. They don't even have to win the Big 12 tournament. I'd say if they get to the finals, they're the overall number one seed. Houston can't pass anybody because of the teams they're playing in their conference tournament. Is it fair? Maybe not, but that's the hand you're dealt. You're in a, you're in a lesser league. Next year, they'll be in the Big 12, but you're in the lesser league here. So they're not going to, they can win every game in the AAC tournament by 30. They're not going to, jump past Kansas or Alabama, in my opinion. Alabama could reclaim the number one spot, I guess, if Kansas loses in the Big 12 tournament or and Alabama wins the SEC tournament. The, different, the, the thing there is it doesn't matter because Alabama is still going to pick Louisville as their site, and Kansas would then still pick Kansas. Kentucky, by the way, seventh in the south, which is in Louisville. The problem with that is got to go through, according to Lenardi right now, West Virginia and Huggy Bear as a 10 seed, and then Purdue as the 2 seed in Louisville before getting to Louisville to maybe potentially play Alabama, the number one seed in the South. All right, we'll take a break. Come back, wrap things up. We'll look at some NBA news, not good news either. Uh, the Saints have their quarterback and we'll recap a wild Saturday in college hoops. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Final segment on this Monday, Championship Week underway. I mean, it's been underway for a few days. The smaller conference tournaments have been underway. Two championships tonight, Sun Belt and Southern Conference. The uh, West Coast semis are tonight. BYU plays St. Mary's, and Gonzaga will take on San Francisco, the University of San Francisco Dons. Uh, you know what? I'll give you a couple picks on these games for the, uh, for the hours over. Why not? Uh, M&M Cards Highline Open, 384-1450. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, 384-1450. Last chance on the Thornton's text line as well, 502-414-1450. Texter says, the next coach at UNC will be Jerry Stackhouse. 
Hey, let's uh, let's let's hold up, slow our roll here. Nobody's firing Hubert Davis. He did get to the national title game last year unexpectedly, by the way. Um, and even if they lose, well, I okay, I probably shouldn't say this. If they lose to Louisville on Wednesday, maybe he should be fired. Or if they lose to Boston College on Wednesday, either one. But uh, he's not going anywhere, not yet. But I will say Jerry Stackhouse has done a phenomenal job at Vanderbilt. First couple years, I thought, this dude can't coach. What is, what's, what's Vandy doing here? Now, first of all, he's the best-dressed man from the 70s in college basketball. Three-piece suits with the old vest. Oh, man. He is looking sharp. And he can coach. Or he has learned how to coach. Vanderbilt's the sixth seed in the SEC tournament. We haven't heard those words in a long time. Long time. All right. Um, some other uh, news and notes here to throw around. Texas Tech has suspended their head basketball coach, Mark Adams, for, quote, a racially insensitive comment, unquote. The Red Raiders are 16 and 15. They're one of the bottom two teams in the Big 12. They're not getting to the Big 12 tournament, to the NCAA tournament, unless they win the Big 12 tournament. Um, you know, he quoted a Bible verse as he was telling his African-American player that he's got to listen to the boss, you know, like basically like the slaves did to the, back in the day. You can't do that. What are you doing? Says he didn't think he did anything wrong because he was just quoting a Bible verse. Eh, that's not a good defense. That's not going to work for you. So Mark Adams, this Texas Tech team, remember, he took over for Chris Beard. Last year in his first season, they were 27-7. and seven. Had a great, it went to the Sweet 16. Not going to make the tournament this year. There are things you can get away with when you're 27-7 and seven that you can't get away with when you're 16-15. and 15. And I'm not saying this is one of them because it's not. But you really can't get away with them when you're playing 500 ball. Uh, NFL news, Derek Carr, according to reports, will be the next quarterback of the New Orleans Saints. I guess that's an upgrade over Andy Dalton and, and Jameis Winston. The report came out this morning, or a, uh, a unsubstantiated source said this morning that the car was leaning toward the New York Jets. Well, then in the afternoon, Somebody familiar with the story and more familiar with the side of Derek Carr said, no, not so fast. He's going to sign with New Orleans. Four years, somewhere in the range of 180. Yikes. So he's going to take his talents to the NFC and to the New Orleans Saints. I think that report this morning was the Jets grandstanding and trying to get Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. Because... The smart move there, or at least they thought it was a smart smart move, was the Jets to say, hey, Derek Carr's leaning our way. Aaron, what do you have to think say about that? But before Aaron Rodgers could respond, Derek Carr's camp said, no, not so fast. We're going to the same. So Carr automatically becomes the best quarterback in the NFC South. The Buccaneers don't have Brady anymore. Carolina's going to draft somebody. Uh, coming up in the draft this week, and the the Falcons are still trying to somehow steal Lamar Jackson away from Baltimore. Falcons started, they released Marcus Mariota, so I guess Desmond Ritter's their starter right now. So 
Derek Carr automatically becomes the best quarterback in the NFC South. Who saw that coming? All right, NBA news. A couple of things. Uh, Giannis had a triple-double last night for Milwaukee. But people are up in arms. I'm not one of those people. He had 23 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists in a 117-111 Bucks victory over the Washington Wizards. Why is everybody up in arms? Because at the end of the day, end of the game, the clock's running out. The Bucks have the ball. They're going to win the game easily. Nobody's going to take a shot. Nobody's going to, you know, they're letting the clock run out. Giannis has the ball. He's got nine rebounds at the time. He goes to the bucket slowly, walks up, stops, throws it up off the glass, and catches it. It barely left his hand. He's so long and tall. He just kind of bounced it off the backboard to get that 10th rebound. And fans, some people, some uh, media people, want the NBA to discount this as a triple-double. This should not count. And look, they're probably right. It shouldn't. Who cares? Sports Illustrated on their Twitter page today said the NBA should definitely overturn on a, on to, <laughs> easy for me to say. Ada DeCumpo's super lame triple double. Why is it even important anymore? It's, it was important when Oscar Robertson had triple doubles, averaged a triple double. When Russell Westbrook did it, it was pretty impressive. Everybody has triple doubles every game now. Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets is going to win his third straight MVP. He plays tonight. Watch him. He's a walking triple-double. He's a walking triple-double. The other news in the NBA is not so good. John Morant, now he's going to miss at least two games. He hasn't been suspended, as was earlier reported. The uh, Memphis Grizzlies lost to the Clippers last night. Dylan Brooks, their star shooting guard, tore his ACL earlier in the week. He's done for the year. Everything's going south for Memphis. But John Morant, the Murray State alum, posted on Instagram at 5 o'clock in the morning after a game in Denver, himself at a, I'm going to say nightclub, but it was a strip club, waving a firearm. 5 o'clock in the morning. In Denver, not even his hometown. This is at least his third incident with a gun. He had a pickup game in his backyard in Memphis, didn't like the way it was going, went into the house, came out with a gun in his waistband, showing it prominently to the 17-year-old who was involved in the pickup game with him and some other people. That's one incident. Incident number two was showing his gun to a mall security officer. (sighs) I don't know what his his deal is. He's young. Young people do stupid things. I did dumb things when I was 21. I'm 59. I still do dumb things. But that only explains it so far. He's trying to be Tupac instead of LeBron. That's what he's trying to do. You got to get these people that are bad influences away from you. And that's what some NBA people who 
have been through it. Jalen Rose has been through it, and he's trying to implore upon John Morant, don't don't blow this, man. Don't throw it away. You got everything. You got the world at your fingertips. Taylor Jenkins, head coach of the Grizzlies, addressed it in the postgame last night after the loss to the Clippers and said, look, he's getting help. John Morant actually posted that uh, sent out a statement saying he apologized to the fans, to his family, to his friends, to the entire Memphis organization. He's saying all the right things and also said he is taking time away to get help. Good. I hope he does. I hope it's not a public relations ploy. Let's just sit for a couple of games and this will all go away. Taylor Jenkins, the head coach, said last night, okay, it's it may be more than two games. We're, there is no time limit on this. That is the right thing to say and do. Whatever it takes, however long it takes, to get this young man the help he needs to figure out what he should and should not be doing. I have no problem with an NBA player or anybody else having a, a, a firearm as protection. I have no problem with that. A concealed carry license, fine. Keep it concealed. If you're waving it around at a strip club on your own Instagram account, now i got a problem. If you're showing it to a 17-year-old who just may have dunked on you or something in your backyard, now i got a problem. Now you have a problem. And I hope he addresses it because he is an extraordinary talent. All right. West Coast Conference semifinals tonight. The early game is BYU and St. Mary's. Uh, St. Mary's six-and-a-half-point favorite. These games are in Vegas, by the way. Uh, I'm going to take BYU in the points here. Mark Pope is the coach at uh, BYU, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're 19-14. and 14. They need the win a lot more than St. Mary's does. I'm not sure if they win the game, but I'll take the six-and-a-half here. The other game is San Francisco and Gonzaga. Same thing here. The Dons need the win, but the Zags are ranked 10th. They're 26-5. and five. San Francisco's 20-13. and 13. Twelve and a half is the number. This is the time of year that Mark Few gets his team going. They've they've gone through this whole West Coast Conference like, uh, whatever. You know, we played Kentucky early in the year. We played all of these uh, Power Five schools. Then we had to go through the West Coast Conference. Yes, they played St. Mary's twice. Other than that, not a lot of competition here. Gonzaga's twelve and a half. I'm taking the Bulldogs. I think it's Mark Few time right now where he just try, they're, they're going to try to pound everybody. So give me BYU in the points. And uh, Gonzaga, I will give the points. Don't forget tonight, right here on the Big X, sectional play from Seymour, New Albany and Jennings County, 7 o'clock tip, 645 pregame. I will be in Seymour. Looking forward to it. I've never been to that sectional, and I've heard unbelievable things about the arena and the fans and what an experience it is. I will be calling that game, filling in for Matt Dennison tonight, right here on the Big X, 645 pregame, New Albany and Jennings County. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Hey.